part two. Spoiler section. The deep dive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think so. Really getting lazy. We're professionals now. Goodness. Fudge. Lovely. Hi, everyone. I'm Izzy. And I'm Jessica. And welcome back to The Greatest Genre. Genre. AKA Fantasy Romance. Yes. Where today we will be reading, dissecting, and fully fangirling over the spoiler section of chapters 42 through 46 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. Yes. This is season one, episode nine. Part two. Spoiler section. The deep dive. (laughs) (laughs) So if you haven't already read Mm -hmm. all of Akatar, Crescent City, and Throne of Glass, and you do not want to be exposed to spoilers about any of those three series, I am so sorry. I cannot advise for you to listen any further because we will be discussing spoilers throughout this episode. Mm -hmm. We will be theorizing, hunting for Easter eggs, comparing and contrasting. So please... Perhaps instead use this time to, go to read. read a little bit of anything. At Emlyn Janados. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perhaps go and, go and dive into the SJM series that you haven't conquered yet or read some more of that next book if you can and then come back to us when you are ready. Yes. You have great things ahead of you. Honestly, I'm kind of jealous. We cannot promise that you will not be slightly traumatized, but it's all worth it in the end. There will be tears. <laughs> And you will still ask her for more. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So without further ado, shall we cheers? Our final spoiler section of season one. Skull. Let's go. Okay, so uh, we'll just go right into Tamlin and Vera kissing behind the tapestry Yes, the final tryst in the cave. (laughs) Is that what we're calling it? It seemed, it felt like a cave when I was reading it. I don't know. It felt like a a tiny little rock alcove. But this is because... Even on a reread, I'm still a very chaotic reader. Yeah. I'm like, get Thank me. Thank God that you have the audio I'm like, books. get me to the good stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, for some reason, assumed they were in a cave. Where are they? They're behind a tapestry? Like in, like, there's like a secret passageway a behind a tapestry that's like actually a door. So it's like a whole way that they're in. But they I are believe. still under the mountain. So really, technically, they're all in sure, a very we can large call it a cave. cave. <laughs> the whole thing is a cave. Mm-hmm. This is one of those scenes that in, of course, the famous chapter 54 of Mist and Fury, mm-hmm. Rhysan goes back to, he's like, this is the moment where I lost it. And I was like, when you, he had one moment, and we discussed this again in the first, there's nuance to it, right? We did. But, and it was just, it was more of a funny thing to me that like, if my man didn't <laughs> take this precious time to put me up against, against a wall, wall and, and passionately <laughs> kiss me, I would be like, what is wrong with you? And we're in a fight. Excuse me? We're in a fight. <laughs> like, Sam, take note. I would have been enraged. <laughs> but the number of mating bond clues that come after this. This whole it, Really, this the whole entire sequence, last third of the book is just mating bond clues abound. There's so many nods to so their So a couple bonds. of them that I pulled out was she can't get the taste of him out of her mouth, even like often multiple I mean, times. I felt like I, mean, I couldn't get the taste of him out of my mouth and I was just reading it problematic. So he continues it was just really fun. In, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, um, please, but I'm going to keep do. going because now we're here. <laughs> so, you know, I've been like a big Tamlin girly throughout this whole reread mm-hmm. and I was worried about it because I know where this things are going right to go back, huh? and I can feel the shift <laughs> happening in your body, in my body, my body. It's impossible not to when he claims her I mean, with his mouth. It will everything like from this scene in the tapestry room corridor. For some, for some reason, to me, it was also very hot the way his neck snapped over, and he knew that like something bad was going to happen. Okay, and then well, the only reason no, no, no. he could the only way he Wait. could save her was to put her up against a wall and kiss her. Because this is a mini trope. Yes. The faked, yeah, the fake, fake dating, fake boyfriend, fake whatever. Fake marriage, it's fake like whatever. the mini All version it. of that. And it's good. Yeah. It's a good one. There's a reason it is a trope. Yes. So, and so it's it's everything about this. It's the way that he's been secretly strategizing the entire mm-hmm. time. The way that he finally comes to her cell and it just like drops the wall, drops the mm-hmm. facade. 
is vulnerable with her. She realizes that he's been trying to save her even before she was under. He's been trying to save her and he's been trying to save everyone. Mm -hmm. And even then towards the end where he is screaming her name, he's trying to to kill Amaranta. The bond going taut between them. The bond between the two of them. You just, you feel yourself starting to gravitate towards this character. You know what was so clever of SJM to throw a bargain in there? Because that is what stops you from predicting that they are mates right away or at least with me. I'm actually not as good as at predicting endings as you are. Well, when I had first read this book, you still don't really know on the reread knowing know that knowing clues. that the mating bond is such a cornerstone of her stories mm-hmm. and of her romantic pairings that it's such a critical part of the story. When I first read it, the significance of the mating bond wasn't there yet. Yeah. So in my mind, that's not where my mind went anyway. So but when she was I got, so clever to throw a bargain in there because there was already yeah. some sort of bond and it tricks you almost. Well, and I feel and like... And I feel like if I had been a more astute reader, I might have still been confused because of that bargain and that bond that exists already. It's definitely a red herring. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder... Because Reese is so shocked when that bond snaps into place he at suspe- the end. We know that he's already suspected for a long time, but he hasn't actually felt it snap into place. And that was what was, that was the physical manifestation of all of his But do suspicions. we think that he makes the bargain he made with her to throw people off? Because when a mating bond snaps says, into place, he can't says other something people in like and Fury. smell it? It's, like mm-hmm. Asriel can smell Lucian and Elaine's mating bond, even though Elaine hasn't accepted it. Well, if that's true, then that's an inconsistency. Unless, this, I think that unless friends, a bargain mm, bond would smell similar. That's a great point. And it's not something I think that's fully explored yet yeah. in these books. And it'll be interesting once we get to book. To the next Akata book. Oh my God. Thank Thank God. I'm but like I'm all every single time we get the news that a new SJM book is coming out with anxiety. At first I'm like super excited and then I'm immediately dreading it because I'm so scared. I know it's gonna be tough. And I don't like all of her insinuations about the trauma that Hunt and Rune are about to go. But that's for a different. For yep, that's for the next. We're putting it in a compartment. Yep. (laughs) We are compartmentalizing. Uh, Again, mating bond clues continues to show her his wings, and she doesn't understand the significance of. Him doing that. Well, and, and I then, had forgotten mm-hmm. that the rest of Prithian doesn't know that no, he has They them. literally have no idea that he's Illyrian. They think he's just high fag. Why? Because I think his mom died pretty young, right? I know, but why? What's the strategy behind keeping that a secret from the rest of Prithian? I think the rest of Prithian is pretty prejudiced about Illyrians. They have a pretty backwards way of life. And he himself is pretty prejudiced against Illyrians because... Despite them being these incredible warriors, they take a lot longer to so, like acu- to acclimate to like modern life, I guess. So then, is Lady Autumn the only wife that is like publicly known and recognized by the other courts? Because like when no, when Reese is like, I would imagine that the wedding of a high lord would be a pretty big, big affair. affair. So like when Reese's father married his Illyrian mother. Was that just like kept very hush hush? I don't know, but I agree there are some questions there that beg to be like, answered. If, like I just I don't understand what wouldn't that make him seem more terrifying and like more imposing? But he, he was has also this ability not, but that none of the other high lords do. He also wasn't a good man. We know that about him. And Reese's father. Reese's father. Oh, I can totally. see. I mean. And I don't think that he was particularly maybe... I mean, again, we have no... There is a lot more to this part of the story we do not know. I think the point here is that there's just much more to unpack, but I'm just wondering from Reese's point of view... But I remember that being an offhanded line in either Mist and Fury or Wings and Ruin that the high fae consider Illyrians to be They consider them like second class Yes, exactly. For sure. But like during the war with Highburn, he's got his wings out, doesn't he? Reese? Yeah. Reese does. Yeah. His His dad doesn't have wings. His wings are only out because he's being tortured. No, I'm talking about in Wings and Ruin. In A Court of Wings and Ruin. Yeah, but his at this wings point, but there. at this point, the, the facade is gone. Like, because after that High Lord's meeting, he reveals himself to be who he really is. Was Reese tortured in a war camp yes. in the first war with Hyburn? Yes. And his wings were out. Extensively. Uh, extensively, yes. So then they do know he has wings. But that was like 500 years ago. I don't think Amarantha ever knew because Amarantha was separate. She was off torturing Jurian. And this is like, again, he goes through this in Mist and Fury a little bit. She was completely separate from him. There were like a bunch of mm. lesser 
generals or whatever and Amaranth sure. decide that we're sure. torturing him. No, that makes and sense. Then, I'm just trying to track because Reese makes a point of saying to Feyre there are very few people who know about who this. know about this who who I tell about my wings and it was just it just sort of seems surprising because to me it seems because right I think like a lot his, of the people I am at the side um died afterwards. well but Reese's whole thing is that he always tries to seem as terrifying as possible mm-hmm. the wings are pretty scary and intimidating mm-hmm. just seems to me like it would go more along the line with his whole demonic. well I think no I think no I think that he wants people to underestimate him sometimes like he wants to be intellectually that way and he wants his Demati powers to be the thing that people are terrified of mm. he doesn't want people to know that he has this entire other arsenal of things that he can use from what my understanding is on yeah. brief sections of rereading of Mist and Fury well, again and holes then, in the plot I was so my <laughs> the only the other note that I have is like once again the moments where Reese decides to step back and invoke the big picture are a little bit inconsistent and it's not necessarily that I think it's an inconsistency in Sarah's writing I think it is supposed to be an inconsistency of this character mm-hmm. because he is not really for all of his incredible qualities, he's not really a citizen of the world to say. I agree. You with know, that. Totally. he is just, he very much has his blinders on. He really just cares about Valaris. And Feyre comes in his world and changes that for a lot of different reasons. So it's just, it was another moment to me. Like the moment I think he cares about his court as chooses, a whole, but he chose in that moment. To protect them, or it was protect. He can't protect everybody. No, so and we and we've yeah. had that conversation, and like that is what it is. But again, down here in the cell, the moments that he chooses to talk about the bigger picture, he's just very selective about it. Mm-hmm. I would agree. With sometimes that. Reese decides to be the champion of the bigger picture, and sometimes he doesn't. Yes, he's selective. He I is. totally agree with that. So that was just. Something that I, and I actually think that is in keeping with his character mm-hmm. up to this point. That he's a very calculating person. Mm-hmm. And, and at I the end of the day. Of these people have blinders on when it comes to that. And, do you, and I'm going to say something else. I think that the rest of Prithian is just very lucky that their fate was tied to the fate of Reese's people. Because I don't think Reese would have gone out of his way to save any other court beside himself. Like, I think it was a very lucky coincidence for all of the other High Lords that it just so happened that they were all in it together. Yeah. I think that goes the same for any High Lord, though. They all, all of them sure, have an isolationist why, policy that we have already discussed that we disagree with. The way that we've talked about it, like this under the mountain mm-hmm. chapter in Prithian history was very much... A turning point for that because we start to see alliances it's form. giving the lost kingdom and all the different kings and it's like you guys just got to work together mm-hmm. present a united front when he comes to her cell i think so this is i think when he is in chapter 54 of mist and fury going this is after he has to service amaranta because this is when after oh yes after yeah, he comes she to her catches cell right them kissing yeah. this is when when you go into book two he says that is when she knew. That is when she figured out. She began to suspect that I was not truly on her side. And so she made him do all of these things to her. And she did, he didn't dare, like, shatter that deception. And so he, it, he... He had to really commit. Yeah. And I think part of the reason he is so depleted when he comes back to her cell and he just, like, leans against the wall and says, I need a fucking minute. Is because, well, because he's being abused. Uh-huh. He's being... Sexually and emotionally abused by Amarantha, and that is a very, very and, intense traumatic And this thing is to when endure. Then this is when we had a brief discussion about this in the non-spoiler section. But when he reveals that it was his family that killed Tamlin's family. Oh yes, because she said because Feyre and asks, she's like why completely. Did, why did reeling. why did she make you her whore? And he does his little like. Besides the obvious. Mm-hmm. And that just so made me think of the Bat Boys as a little trio. Just always like, <laughs> we're so hot, you know? I felt like in that moment, Reese must have really been missing them. And I'm sure that they were weighing really heavily on, on his mind and on his heart. And so I, I almost just felt like he said that less to Feyre and more because he really wished he could have been saying it to Cassian and Asriel. And in that moment, so then after that I love that, that there comment, are little moments in these chapters where Cassian and Asriel and the inner circle as a whole 
all present without him saying anything. Like little things and little moments on Reese's right. face when you know he's thinking about them. And yeah. on the reread, you know that that's what he's thinking. And that's what makes reread yeah. so special. So after he makes this little quip, then he kind of tells her the crux of it, which is my father killed Tamlin's father and his brothers, who we know from well, previous chapters yes. were very chummy with Amarantha. Exactly. And, and, so because, she, and because his father killed her friend, Tamlin's father, she decided Reese's punishment would be a little steeper than the rest of the High Lords. And it just made me want to go and reread a little bit about the history between Reese and Tamlin. I agree. Because we get this moment earlier where we know that, and we mentioned this in the first the first portion of the episode, where Tamlin does tell Feyre that the it was an enemy court that killed his family, and that's all he says about it. And then Reese reveals that it was actually his court that killed Tamlin. But there's so much that isn't being said. So I went to Mr. Fury and I did some reading. <clears throat> so I went to the library. I went to the library. <laughs> well, and there's actually several. Mm-hmm. We get one other nod in this section, in these final chapters, to the history between Reese and Tamlin, and specifically the murder of their mm-hmm. families. Because when Reese goes and drops his sort of kernel of power onto Feyre. Yes. He, he says, says we're even now we're even. Yes. So yes, I was I was hoping that you would be able to go, I did, because go I had this back handy little digital go copy back to the good book <laughs> and re- refresh for us the detail. Like so up to the events that unfold mm-hmm. in Agatar, what exactly has happened between Reese and Tamlin's families? So Reese is a little bit older than Tamlin, first of all. So he Tamlin fought in, he the, fought original in the original war, against war that Amarantha was a, a general in. and Which wasn't the, necessarily against Hybern, but it was almost sort of this civil war mm-hmm. over human slavery. It was about 500 years ago, and Reese was a... F- he was a, I think, fully grown fae at this point. And Tamlin well, was Well, we still- know that he was slaughtering on the battlefield yes, before, before Lucian was, was born. Hot, hot. <laughs> Um, and Tamlin was too young to be in the war. So Reese says when he first met Tamlin, he thinks that Tamlin was actually pretty decent for a High Lord son. And because of everything that we know, we know that they were never truly friends. And I think this is just stupid. Well, we know but that Reese never really, really accepted Tamlin as a friend. And also, doesn't still, really ex- he doesn't really tell anybody about his true nature that's not inside yeah. his own court and inner circle. But, but I do believe Tamlin considered Reese to be a friend. I agree. And. That is what makes this whole situation so messy. Yeah. Uh, but he does say he thinks that Tamlin is decent for a High Lord's son, especially since he actually, and I didn't catch this on the first read, he thinks that Tamlin's brothers are actually worse than Lucian's brothers. Mm. Reese took pity on Tamlin. I shudder to wonder how attracted I would have been to them. <laughs> oh, no. Just kidding. <laughs> but we know that Reese actually took Tamlin under his wing a little bit and started teaching him some Illyrian war techniques. And kind of training him in the Illyrian way. Yes. Reese's family knew about this and didn't like it. It was almost like a little rebellion because Reese and his father had a tenuous relationship the same as Tamlin had with his father. They had a lot to and bond over. And what they have over. in common is that both of their mothers were very gentle souls mm. and kind like kind women. Is that something that Reese says they discussed? No, or but we over? know this through like Tamlin Just loved his mother. His, we, we We know this from the first book a few chapters back and we know that... Reese loved his mother as well. Yeah. She was always a source of comfort for him, contrasted with his father, who was a nasty fucker, to say the least. I don't know why, but I was just so not prepared for you to say that. <laughs> so Tamlin's father was totally threatened by Reese and by Tamlin because they were actually both stronger than he was. Reese's mother and his sister were supposed to come visit Reese while he was training a new unit. He was supposed to come meet them halfway and escort them to where he was, but... This is where the story gets murky. Mm. He decided to stay and train his new unit. So was he supposed to like meet them on the road? He was supposed to meet them on the road at halfway. He decided to stay, which doesn't seem in keeping with his character. No, it doesn't. And what happened was Tamlin's father and Tamlin's brothers and Tamlin went and they intercepted, and this was on night court soil, and they went and they intercepted them and they killed extremely reckless it just seems so off like there is so much information that we do not know and the only reason that they knew where reese's family was is because reese had told tamlin and so but that's reese assuming 
that that's Hamlet, the only way that they could have found out. Exactly. Exactly. And that is where it's just like one of the things that sometimes bothers me in this book, and I get it. It's a story. It's like just the most simple communication sometimes could avoid literally so much bloodshed and so much trauma, but it never ends up happening that way. So they kill Reese's sister and mother. They end up putting their heads in boxes, sending them down the river, so and they take their wings. small theory debunked. <laughs> but I don't know because we don't actually find out. It just says to the camp. Which camp? Who found them? There is so much information. Yeah, did Reese, ever, did Reese ever see no. the decapitated heads? No, did not. That much I can say for, sh- for sure. Uh, or the rest of it, like what happened to their <clears throat> bodies. Exactly. And so my, th- and so what was glaring out at me from this page, given what the relationship that he just described, that he and Tamlin had created for themselves before mm-hmm. this happened, is that he definitely went to try and save Reese's mother and Reese's sister. That's what I inferred about Tamlin. Well, and it could have even been like, let's say, let's say somehow Tamlin's dad and brothers had managed to get this information without Tamlin's help and somehow got a message to Tamlin like hey you need to come and meet us at this place because we're we've got a plan and you need to be a part of it and if Tamlin then realized that they were going to try and ambush my guess is if Reese was supposed to be there Reese was probably the real target and that's actually I didn't even think about that and so if Tamlin what if Tamlin convinced Reese? What if Tamlin said, "I will go and meet your mom and sisters. You can stay That's here." Just so much like, that we like, don't it's know. It's very plausible that Tamlin could. Yes, Tamlin could have been twi- trying to thwart And it is this. just not in keeping with his with what we know of Tamlin. We know about, he I would totally never, agree with ever you. Never ever do something like that. So like something is just so amiss, and it frustrates me because Reese, and like we've said, is supposed to be very. And I get it. This is probably incredibly emotionally driven. His 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 revenge that he takes here. So. He finds out that his sister and his mother are dead. His father and Reese both go to the spring court. So this happened on night court soil, the murder of his mother and his sister. They go to the spring court. Reese kills all of Tamlin's brothers. Good. In their sleep, I believe. So it is nighttime. It is nighttime. That did make that does make sense. Chaotic reader alert. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to the detail of what time of day it was. And so at one point I did think it was weird. I was like, so in the spring courts, everybody just like hang out in their bedrooms? No, no, no. It was nighttime. <laughs> okay. So they were sleeping. So Reese was killing Tamlin's brothers, which good riddance. Exactly. His dad was killing his father. Now what Reese did not know. But do you think that, that Reese woke them up? Because killing somebody in their sleep is kind of. No, because what he says is that he broke into their minds and like basically made their brains melt or something along those lines. It was not pretty. While they were sleeping. I think he woke them up and he killed Reese them. Just, from- Reese just doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would just kill somebody in their sleep. I think they were very much present while the actual killing was happening. But anyway, uh, his dad went to go kill Tamlin's dad. And then what he didn't, and this is, again, how could you not know, Tamlin's dad also, sorry, Reese's dad also ended up killing Tamlin's mother. Which, to say something for Reese's dad here, this is something that we have definitely seen play out before in, it doesn't, it doesn't even really just apply to fantasy. Like, that is a, if someone kills the person that you love, the truest form of revenge is to make them endure the same pain. Mm-hmm. So it's highly possible that Reese's, dad got to the room saw them both there and instead of just killing tamlin's dad he probably made because tamlin's dad watch about that chaotic like about that tumultuous relationship he and reason's dad and his mom they were mates i think he did love her in his own twisted way he always let her fly when that was like the whole like that was the reason that his mother still loved his father in some capacity because he mm-hmm. always understood that she was an Illyrian yeah. and she needed to fly. And we do know that <clears throat> Tamlin's that Tamlin's father, the brute that he was, did hold, you know, he did have some kind of a soft spot for his mother and, you know, he planted her the, the mm-hmm. rose garden and and all of that. And we know that mates feel each other's pain and it's just So it's it, it is it is the worst revenge you could exact upon someone who had done this exactly when reese then went to tamlin's room to stop his dad from then killing tamlin because he was like so tamlin so reese's dad was done killing both of tamlin's parents he was gonna go and kill tamlin and then they were headed to tamlin tamlin was the final stop reese was like stop do not do this and tamlin using that moment of distraction well tamlin also could feel the high lord's power 
He knew his father was dead because, because okay, of the transfer of power that pretty much immediately happens when a high lord dies. He knows what's happened, so he immediately kills Reese's dad. And then Reese immediately feels the transfer of power to him. And so there are these two new brand brand new high lords, which actually is kind of a parallel to what's happening under the mountain is when Amarantha slaughtered all the other high lords. So they all come into their power at the same time. That mm. happened to Tamlin and Reese in mm-hmm. the most traumatic way possible. Then what Reese, I think it was just all too much from what he says in Miss Fury and he just flees. Well, I think it was probably a lot, but he also has mentioned before that if he and Tamlin, if two high lords physically one-on-one came to blows with each other it the the fallout would be catastrophic Mm -hmm. so i think it was probably a a lot of emotion to deal with and i think b it was almost like survival yeah instincts saying we should not be in the same room together because i would imagine it's magic that gives the high lords this power Mm -hmm. and the magic exists to sustain prithian and so there is probably some kind of insurance policy built into That's this balance, magic. Right? Everything has a balance. So it must have just been something like screaming at Reese inside, like, get out, get out, get out, get out. Because the magic yeah. doesn't ever want to destroy itself, mm-hmm. I would imagine. And just my main takeaway from this was like, these are two people that at least at this point in the story, like not under the mountain, mm-hmm. but 500 years ago, whenever it was that this happened, yeah. have more in common than they don't. And, and, it, and isn't that something that we see play out every day in humanity with, you know, outside influences trying to mm. pit us all against each other. And yet if we all just sat down and had a calm, conversation, calm, open-minded conversation, we would realize that we have a lot more common ground and than it's we one of would the, maybe the, think. The, one of the downfalls of the high female is that they are so emotionally driven i'm sorry and what is it what is it bryce calls them alpha alpha holes, holes. they are all alpha, alpha holes. i agree i agree i agree i agree <laughs> with bryce they are all alpha holes and they need a good scolding they all need women in their lives mm. to tell them what is what <laughs> okay so that's my notes about the family <laughs> the family affair if you will but it was it it's definitely a place that my mind wandered several times while i was rereading yes, these final chapters was this backstory between Reese and Tamlin and because you're so close to Mist and Fury and where that on the reread, comes like, to I head. want that context because I keep like and I've actually reread Mist and Fury a number of times and I still can never quite remember the story of the because I think it's told in a, in a well and I think you're right that at the end of the day way on purpose we're because we're missing pieces mm-hmm. and I think hopefully Tamlin's story is not over I don't I don't hope think that it it's not I don't just think it is a footnote We'll see what else she has in store for us. But I would imagine that Sarah has something more up her sleeve. I would uh, I would concur. Yes. Our good friend Sarah. Our good, close, personal friend Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple notes about the prayer. Unless you have anything else in the... In no, the... no, I would love to talk about the prayer, actually. Um, I had notes about that, too. So I was just rereading it. And I was trying to reread it because I'm like, I'm sure there are a little nuggets in the prayer that are going to come up later especially since she repeats it now i can't remember if it's repeated and i should probably it's the same prayer tamlin said to over the, fairy. the fairy yes i'm trying to remember if it happens at any other point in the akatar series and i can't nothing's jumping out at me and it might be a good thing to for me to nothing research. was jumping out at me either but i did want to talk a little bit more about afterlife in general in the Sarah J. Mass verse, mm-hmm. because it did become very clear to me during this prayer and that the prayers references the mother. That I they just do, want to make that note, and then and they do seem to believe in an afterlife mm-hmm. that they are going to the next place. And knowing what we know from Throne of Glass and Crescent City about the fact that souls do live on after bodies die. Mm-hmm. Nehemia's yep. soul comes back through the portal when Aelin, still Selena at the time, summons her. And Danica, we know mm-hmm. that all of this stuff, the souls, gone, the, souls are very, the souls are very important. Yep. They, they feed the Asteri. So I was thinking to myself, okay, so let's, the afterlife is a place. It is another realm. Is it plausible that it could be one of the worlds that exists in this 
universe where everything is sort of stacked on top of one another. It's an interesting thought. So my mind went in a slightly different direction when I was reading the prayer, when it starts off by saying, mother hold you, cauldron save you. Mm-hmm. And so I did a Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on the official Akatar wiki, oh, it says that the mother is the person who spilled the contents of the cauldron. And that is, and I didn't think of that because in our previous episodes, we were thinking like, is the mother Aelin? As much as I would love for that to be true, just because I want everything Everything always to to come back to Aelin, (laughs) I, I, I don't think so. I think there is a connection between the word gates and the portals mm-hmm. and the dread trove and the cauldron. I think those are all very important, powerful, magical objects that are going to have a huge impact on both their respective worlds and the connected universe. I don't think it's quite as literal as Aelin being the hands the that were tipping over the cauldron. But what if it was? I mean... <laughs> What if Sarah did that? If Aelin still had her powers, I would think maybe so, because her level of power, I think, would shock even Reese, but not in her diminished state post word. But wouldn't her diminished state be because there's that theory that she is now? I mean, it could be, but like cauldron. But 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 the mother is still actively doing things like Mm. saving. Feyre and so giving in the fifth Nesta. Book, in Silver Flames, is it the mother that she it makes? Is, is it, it is the it, mother. She says she makes a bargain with the cauldron itself, but, but is the it mother, the mother? No, the mother intervenes. Remember, Nesta mm. says the mother s- stops the cauldron from taking everything, and the mother gives her something. Oh, that's so interesting to me. I need to know. So I need to know more the, about so, that. And that makes me think that it's not, not Aelin. Mm. It was just a little. No- it was just a little note that I was like, mm, my little antenna went up. It does make me wonder if it could be. The same, the gods in Throne of Glass, the Asteri in Crescent City, and like the Cauldron and the Mother and the, is, it, is it the Daglin? No, Daglin are the twins, I thought. There's some, who are the ones that the, that way back when, that like that original oh. Illyrian warrior fought off? I thought it was, I thought it started with a D. It's when Nesta has a yes. battle with yes. what's-his-face. the archway. I know what you're talking about. I'll remember it in a few minutes. Keep going. I think they all have something in common. Like, the mother makes me think very much, actually, of Aelin's interactions with Mala. Mm. Yes, I actually agree with that. You know? Mm-hmm. And then there's the, you know, the witches in Throne of Glass have their three-faced goddess. The mother, the, the um, crone, and the... Was it Maiden or something? Maid? That's Game of Thrones, Mother Maiden Crone. I can't remember exactly what it is. But I can't even remember how we got here. What it was my fault. About? I was talking about the mother and the and Prithian oh, the and Aelin being. The mother and mother. But yep, yes. it's, it's, it's my fault. No, so I think, <laughs> yes, because we're talking about the prayer. Mm-hmm. But this is, I think this is really, I actually think this is where Sarah buries the most clues because she's so well-versed in so many different mythologies and religions and cultures that this to me is the most fun aspect of these worlds to dig into and theorize about because especially like in celtic lore there are three not necessarily three faced but you know there's references to like triple goddesses the three-faced god and like and there's just there's so much richness there and i i almost feel like that's There's also a lot more focus on female deities than there are male ones. Yes, and and Celtic Celtic and Welsh Mm -hmm. mythology are very similar, and then you have, you know, druids and and all of that fun stuff. (laughs) It's a very interesting aspect of these worlds to consider, especially when you look at it through the lens of the connected universe. And I do think... It's really fun to dive into the prom. I do, yeah, it... I do think the afterlife is one of the worlds. And I think what the Asteri are doing in Crescent City are capturing the souls before they can get Get to to that world. Mm -hmm. And they're feeding off of the energy. Mm -hmm. Which to me sounds just very Valg-like. Yes. I don't think that's a coincidence. Like, right? Like, 
they feed mm-hmm. the Valak have to feed off of life because they mm-hmm. are not really alive. I agree. So it's wild. No, that she definitely did not do that like by accident. I'm just <laughs> God, I'm so excited and terrified. I know, the same me time. too. I, like I need to know more, <laughs> but I also am so scared of everything else that's gonna have to come along with knowing more, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so bringing it back to these five chapters, <laughs> I saw that was not to like diminish anything that you just said but just to keep it slightly on there topic. was a moment in there in the middle where i was like what are you talking about <laughs> so wrap i wrap it up I had, it a, in. I had a small maybe it's an inconsistency but i couldn't tell so let me know what you think if everybody saw resend going insane at the end of this trying to save pharaoh he was How trying to they... kill amarantha which i think no, is... he was screaming pharaoh's name he screamed her name once they call it out once. She said, I heard rise, I heard someone yell my name. No, not someone. Resand. Oh, I read this as he was doing it multiple times. I read this as he was going absolutely nuts at the end of this. How can they still think that he is bad? Or that he is evil? Therefore, just like, forget? Just at the end of this, it was it was wrapped up very quickly. The, the ending of the book happened in a chapter. It was this massive tumultuous thing happened and then everything was happened in three paragraphs. It was like, and then these mm-hmm. meetings happened, these meetings happened, and we went, back, we went back to the spring court. And I was just, no one noticed that Yeah, no, like I said, it to... seemed like a very high-level epilogue almost sequence. And I think that's, I think that was done on purpose Fine. because the next really important things that were going to happen were happening in the next book. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because it just felt to me like these are supposed to, like you said earlier, these are supposed to be very intelligent human beings that have been alive for hundreds of years. And I've just, well, whatever. Um, but the main note that I want to talk about in the spoiler section mm-hmm. is Baron. Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. No, I this had is... to like lie down on this reread. <laughs> well, and it's like, and I could, I could, I could sit here and we could talk about it for probably another like 20 ish minutes. You don't have to. But really, here's the thing I have nothing. Because, because besides calling because the it fact, out the fact, okay, so just in case that you guys aren't clear, just we're actually what talking we're talking about. about. <laughs> so he, and it was such a throwaway detail, even on the first two rereads. And on this one, when I'm literally going through everything line by line, it was so funny. I texted Jessica this a couple days ago when I was, I was like, reading I this. I said this to you. <laughs> and Baron, who in, both in this book we know this, but also with the more information we find out about him and Mist and Fury, Wings and Ruin, and so on and so forth. He is the most brutal and evil of the Seven High Lords. Well, he's cold. He's calculating. I mean, he's ruthless. What he did to Lucian. He's ruthless. And at the end of the day, the thing that matters more to him than anything else is his lineage. Mm. His progeny. His line. Because we know that it was the fact that the woman that Lucian fell in love with, who was a fae of lesser birth. Someone he, that he deemed to be and inappropriate. And he hates Lucian because he suspects, but he can never publicly address the fact that Lucian is not actually his son. Mm. And he split up his family during the original war over the human slaves. Well, you've got your autumn court law down try, more than yes, I, I do. do. <laughs> Because he wanted to preserve his line and he Mm. made them vulnerable by doing this and he didn't care because as long as his son, as enough, you know, enough of his sons survived, his line would survive. That is what matters to Baron more than anything else is the survival of the Autumn Court and the succession of his line. So it is not in keeping with his character that he would be the first one. And again, you made a very important note. He doesn't actually say anything he when he says comes over. Nothing. He says nothing. And he, he comes over and he is the very first one to offer up a kernel of his power. And But I have to say, maybe this is me misreading what happened in Wings and Ruin. I, I'm going to have to reread well, it, he, I was about to say, he Isn't seems he very really angry off. that she has <laughs> any of his power at all? And he's like, maybe I should take it back. Well, here's the thing. Reese then says, right, that this has been done before. Which also, like, how the hell did I miss that the first time around? It's, again, it seemed like a throwaway comment. It seems like if if there had when been I any... I have questions. So many follow-up questions. If there had been any precedence for humans being turned into high fae, it must have happened so, so long, long ago, ago that even, like, even Tamlin and Lucian... Because, didn't know about because it. Because really, it's only Reese and Baron that would know. Because it's those two of the oldest. Besides, we don't we know don't how old know about Thessin. Thessin. We don't know how old he is. He was the second, though. 
Yeah, so the order was, and I wrote down the order in case oh, was, we ever had maybe, to come back to it. Maybe wasn't the... Uh, what chapter was this? 44? Okay, no, it goes autumn, summer, winter, dawn, day, night, spring. So Tarquin is, is, is number two. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, because, because Tarquin is just, as we discussed last because episode. Because Tarquin is the best. Amazing. He's the best one. Like, I think he has the most good in him. He's such a great character. And by the way, having a court whose, like, way of putting a hit on you is sending you a massive ruby Blood is, like, ruby. kind of sick. <laughs> like, that's just a huge flex. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it just screamed out at the page on me on the reread. And I was like, holy shit. Those two details to put together uh-huh. make me think that Baron absolutely knows something that everybody else does not and it makes me think that he did not have all of the information because he is very shocked and upset when he finds out that Feyre has some yeah. of his firepower. So maybe he didn't know what that result would be. Maybe he wasn't you know directly what, involved in what happened last time. But you but know what, Isabel? Just... He is not the only ruler associated with Autumn who would seem to have an interest in not only family lineage, mm. but also in maybe researching histories. If you haven't read Crescent City, <laughs> it is time. You know, it's to just pivot. like the Autumn King in Crescent City is obsessed with. God, it has been with, so fun reading about that character from the get go because we just have no idea. He is so obsessed with their their lineage, both backwards and what's happening next and that's and why he's so horrible to ruin. some connection here that we do not we don't know how it connects but we know it does it, it just it, it simply to. has to and yep or she could just be taking us all for a ride and no I, that could that know, is that could be the, be the biggest red herring ever there is no <laughs> way there is a, and especially since she went out of her way again we'll talk about it more in our episode yeah she went out of her way to say how it's been one of her favorite characters to write there's no way to throw away character or a red herring. There's just no way. I totally agree. No, I have been very big on the Autumn Court ever since I reread this scene. I was I was trying to mm-hmm. like do my five chapters at a time, and then like a month ago, I accidentally I accidentally just like read the, read the rest of the book. <laughs> and when I reread that scene of Baron being the first, and he doesn't skip a, a beat. beat. No, he comes right over. It's like he was lying there in wait, and he hasn't been present for any, any of, of the other in fact, challenges. He was. He was Noticeably, not present. Like you, so astutely called out. He was not there. Mm -hmm. It's just, and like I said, like I keep talking about this, but really at the end of the day, the biggest point is just that we don't know. know. And so it's worth paying attention when you read. And now knowing that Eris is such a multifaceted, interesting character. It's just all very complex. I think Eris is trying to figure out what his dad knows. I think Baron you is... You know what Eris is giving? He's giving Reese in book one. When you don't know about anything that's been happening with his character, did the way he see, is described. I, did I send you that TikTok? I don't think so. Oh. Send it to me. I just saw that TikTok. Oh. Yeah. Maybe you did. And I, we just sent each other a lot of memes. It could be this whole plan. Too way too much content going back and forth. But it's true. I realized the other reason I think mm-hmm. I really like Eris is because he gives Draco... A little bit. Oh no! I'm really on are my Harry reading, Potter right are you now. <laughs> I started it. It's I not it. my favorite so far. Oh, interesting. I haven't read it, but I'm gonna stick with it, Emily Galt. I will not. I will not fail you. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna do it. Okay. So tiny note that I had was that was kind of cute when he's telling Feyre as they're having that conversation after he's kind of summoned her through the bond mm-hmm. at the end of chapter 46. He was like, "Why did you do that?" And he was like, "I want my future offspring to remember that." I fought. I love that. And, and we know it that- just, it means that future offspring. That was yeah. kind of cute. <laughs> At it baby was Nicks. cute. At Nick's. <laughs> I'm floating my last note. <laughs> it was a very noble thing for him to say. Mm-hmm. And for all of Reese's imperfections, imperfections, which by the way, I think are necessary for good characters. Yes. Because there are very few perfect characters in the world besides Alan Galanthinius, <laughs> who is without so who is without flaw. Sure, in my humble opinion, I think she could have been a little more transparent about certain things. But sure, no, nope. <laughs> no, nope. I have no notes. Alan did everything right. 
also realizing like I think he meant that I think that is a reason why he did it but he is of course withholding from her that he also did it because he couldn't not do it because he had fallen in love with her Mm -hmm. and you physically cannot see your mate and and again it is a very noble thing to he acknowledged that even though he had fallen in love with her under the mountain during this whole process even before the mating bond snaps into place Mm -hmm. he never lost sight of the fact that she had come under the mountain to save tamlin and he has a note about that in mist and fury where she was like why didn't you tell me it's about actually it's about his family when she's Mm. like why didn't you tell me that tamlin's family did that to your family and he says i didn't want you to think that i was trying to turn you against him because he wants her to fall in love with him from her own volition, not because he's trying to poison well, her. Well, it I also guess. would have been very counterproductive <laughs> to be like, by the way, this guy that I really need you to save for all of our sakes kind of sucks. <laughs> like, that would have not been a great... I think at the moment he was referring to the moments after I the actual third task, but... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But great point. <laughs> Doesn't really fit. I think that's one of those moments where Reese decides to look at the big picture and uh, be strategic. Glad he finally did. Like I said, very selective. <clears throat> Sometimes I think it's a, I think he chooses well and other mm-hmm. times I think maybe he chose wrong. But again, that is what makes him an interesting character to read yeah. about. I really don't, like, I don't want it to be over, but I also but, like, that, I like, don't, I don't, don't have anything else to say. You know, besides to go back to the, oh, I know, it was cute, like back in, yeah, the spring court, um, Alice's. Oh, Alice's little ones running around in the garden. That that almost triggered a tear for me. It was it was such I a had perfect totally way. Totally, I wish it, it had ended there and not at dinner not time. Being like, come to dinner. I don't know why <laughs> that was so tough for me to read. But but on the other hand, it's like it's very full circle. It's very full circle, and like they're gonna go back to having their dinners together, even though Feyre throws up everything yeah all the time of Mr. Furious spoiler she can't keep so I did actually actually you know what I do have one other thing to say yes and this is something that we had briefly touched on in part one I think I'm gonna have a hard time with the beginning of Mist and Fury because I was because I was already struggling and like fighting the urge to roll my eye and maybe it's because of the AI voice on my audiobook it's a little drawn out but it was just Every other sentence from Feyre after this challenge is over is like, what I had done, what I had done, what I had done. And it's like, yes, it was awful, but you also were forced into a situation and you did what you had to do for the greater good. The immediate extreme descent into into self-loathing. and guilt. It just seemed like it happened really fast. And and maybe it does. I've never experienced anything like what she just experienced. Yeah. But I I was struck by it, I think, because I know that that's not something she rebounds from. And so it stood out to me more because I think the first time I read it, I was just sort of like, oh, yeah, I understand in this moment she's having a really hard time. But because I know that it's not her having a really hard time in the moment, it's actually just her new state of, of being. Affairs. Yeah. I was like, I'm excited hold, to get like, into it. In Mist and hold Fury. yourself up a little sturdier, you know, because we know that going into Mist and Fury, she has just well, become I think a she shell. Had a little bit of more of a, not an easy time of it, but she would have been able to cope a little bit more if Tamlin had actually offered up those conversations with her and helped her through it and let her heal in a way that wasn't just sheltering her from everything and like defend herself and learn how to fight. And he didn't do any of those things for her, which I think kind of propelled her more into that state of despair. Agreed. I think everybody in Prithian, apparently except for the night court, needs to learn a little bit more about healing from trauma. They don't really seem to have a formula for that anywhere else. He does immediately recognize what she has gone through and tries to broach the subject and Feyre draws a boundary line. That was hours after. I understand. I'm just saying it is plausible that in that moment he could have been like, okay, when she wants to talk about it, she'll let me know that she's ready to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think she does try to... I don't know if she. I'll have to. I'll have to. Yeah, wait we have to until we reread yep. it again because it's just. I was. I was starting to struggle with it a little bit, but then I did remember that 
one of the things I love the most about Sarah's series is that almost every single one of her characters at some point hits some form of like rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Aelin in the box. Yeah, it's the journey of self-discovery. Bryce and being healing. on the brink of suicide after Danica. After Danica's pack. death. Mm-hmm. And really for Feyre, it's after going through these trials under the mountains and then yeah. just feeling like Anesta, she... it's off to her, her dad. I think that is actually what makes these characters so important, at least to me, is that it's a very inspiring, moving journey to read. And it makes you believe that it can be done no matter what. Because even though we all can relate to having points in our lives where we just feel really beaten down or tired or you know that's a very human thing that happens to people throughout their lives when you read these stories of characters that go through even more trying things than we could ever imagine pieces of what they've gone through you understand the strength that it takes to try and pull yourself up Mm -hmm. after being being so down those are the things that sort of stay in your heart and sometimes like sometimes you have to reach for a story like that to inspire you to move forward. And I think that's a tale as old as human culture. And it's one of culture. the things that we read about in the stories that we love. Like there's people a, love, yes. even in our stories, they love to read. Well, and it's not even necessarily like novels. Like I think that's why legends and, and myths and even religions became so important because we need ideals to strive for. Yeah. And we need those tales of courage and strength and heroism to make ourselves believe that we can achieve that kind of strength. Like we can find it within ourselves the way these characters did. And so I just thought that would be a good note to end and on. Yeah. this story on because even if we don't relate to Feyre on the painting level, <laughs> I think we can all agree that she is a very inspiring and resilient character. resilient character. Yes. Oh, nicely put. I don't have any more beer in my episode. <laughs> she is to the end. Okay. Oh, Jess. And with that, we will wrap up. Yes. Season one. <laughs> Of our reread of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I yes. can't believe it. A year ago, we were like, should we do a podcast? And we did it. And we did it. Thank you for everyone who has supported us along the way. Thank you to everyone who is listening to this episode. Thank you to everyone who has listened to any of our episodes. Thank you to Sarah J. Mass for, for existing these incredible stories. <laughs> And we are so excited to continue the greatest genre in our deep dive. Yeah, we aren't going anywhere Press anytime City. soon. We're having we're having too much fun. So. And we will see you in the in the interim for our bonus fan cast episode and our mini interview. Yes, and episode. we will just keep an eye on our Instagram yes. so you know we will try and when the cadence as stops. quickly as possible. Exactly. But we need we a little bit of a break. Posted. Think maybe a couple of weeks, and then we'll be back at it. I'm so excited. I am too. Thank you all. Thank you. We love you so much. Bye, guys. Bye.